Welcome to Shootcast, our round 15 review. Joining me on the line, as always, Mark Cashman from Rugby News. Hello, Casho. Great to be on board, Virgo. Uh, a day late, but uh, we can have in the corner of our screens the Ashes cricket. So a uh, bit, of, bit of rugby news on this week, of course, isn't there? Plenty of rugby news. You can keep us posted on the uh, live Ashes score should any wickets fall. Uh, also joining us on the podcast, um, recovering from his uh, flu-like symptoms last week, he had the flu game, the flu pod, Andrew Swain. Yeah, How the flu Swainy? pod, that's it. I'm, I'm feeling much better than I was last week. I can tell you right now, I got a, a few messages from, of concern from our loyal listeners uh, asking me how I was feeling. So, oh. yeah, I was, I was feeling pretty ordinary last week, but much better this week. Oh, it was a cracking effort to uh, get on the show last week, Swanee. You're an absolute trooper. Um, we've got to start uh, with the Wallabies, guys. Uh, obviously, the big test match in Sydney, the only test match in Sydney this year with the shortened Tri-Nations, or sorry, Rugby Championship. Uh, disappointing result, it has to be said. It was an entertaining game, um, but Swanee... We've got to be disappointed with not getting a W uh, at home in front of the fans. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It kind of only dawned on me afterwards that it's been almost a decade since the Wallabies have won a test match in Sydney. They, they've wow. drawn a few and, um, mm. you know, the, there's been um, not too many good results in Sydney, to be honest. And, and yeah, it was, a, it was a game that got away, wasn't it? You thought yeah. the moment that was going to be the, the defining moment was um, Mark Nwanganita Wase's intercept and his runaway 95 metres upfield. And mm-hmm. you just thought, wow, the, the you know, dawn of a new era for the yep. Wallabies. But yep. it certainly wasn't to be. It was back to the old bad discipline habits, and uh, and that was the, what cost them the ball game in the end. I, yeah. I think the stats boys really sort of summed it all up, wasn't it? We played with less possession and we played in uh, in our own half for virtually the entire game. Listen, you can, you, you can actually do that in a shoot-shield game and win, but I think test footy against a, a pretty handy side that Argentina are at this particular point in time, you just can't do it, and that's... That's uh, that's uh, what happened. We might have been able to fluke it after that intercept, but uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the way it is, and uh, you live and learn, don't you? Yeah, it's disappointing. A bad injury to Lenikitao too, which is going to cause a few headaches with selections, isn't it, Swaney? Yeah, big time. That's a one that we probably couldn't have um, really afforded. You know, Lenikitao. Not only has he just been, you know, incredibly consistent in a pretty well un- inconsistent team but yep. his left boot is uh is yeah. valuable as well and he's, he, you know it only comes into fruition you know a few times a game but it's valuable nonetheless and so yeah it's been a um that's a big one and you know you, you you're right you look at the stats across the board um Casho as well the wallabies this rugby championship so far possession 36% net mm. Territory thirty one percent net turnovers conceded twenty seven, um, just not great numbers when it comes to you know winning games of, of rugby test matches in particular. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of Jones's comments um, talking about you know we could probably stabilize this squad and you know get them to a reasonably competitive way, but that's not going to you know win World Cup. So you know he's certainly talking about trying to play a whole. New structure. I do make sense of the comment that although the Wallabies' discipline stuck out like a sore thumb, it just came from um, 
pressure and being able to deal with pressure, Kasha? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, there's 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 a lot of new moving moving parts, not only on the playing front, but also on the uh, on the coaching front. Uh, mm. And I think Laurie Fisher in a, in, a, in a podcast. Uh, uh, said a few things along those lines that it's going to take some time for for things to come together. I personally went out to the game, was very impressed with the uh, the, the way match day was presented. So the product looks uh, looks pretty good, but uh, getting a few wins is uh, is I think it's just going to take some time. Let's uh, let's hope it all happens uh, in the cut and thrust of a Bledisloe Cup uh, couple of games. Yeah, that has to be said. It was as a healthy crowd, Swaney. Yeah, great crowd, wasn't it? You know, yeah. it was upwards of you know twenty six, twenty seven thousand was it in a stadium that only holds you know 30. nearly thirty. Yeah. I think that's yep. a pretty good result. And yep. you know, you, there are a lot of naysayers out there, aren't there? There's people yeah. who have you know, it's the same old people too, Burjo, if might I add, that mm. love to throw the boot in, love to say that oh, the sport's dead. You know that the people, the Wallabies can't sell out that stadium. That's ridiculous, and oh, mm. you know. I get all those arguments, um, yeah. but you know the fact of the matter is, if you weren't there, um, you, you don't know how good the experience was. It was a great experience out there. I was out there. I, I you know, I was yep. admittedly I was looking after the broadcast, but yep. it, it it felt like it came across well on television as well. And yeah, yeah, yeah I, think- I, I, I was obviously there as a as, as a punter, a very interested observer, and. Uh, you know, as as I said earlier, the the, the game presentation was uh, was first rate. There was a bloke there that went home with a free trip to the Rugby World Cup for him and his wife, and uh, there are all sorts of things happening, lots of fireworks and all that sort of stuff. Rectangular stadium sort of helps, and uh, yeah, away we go. This you know, there's there's a bit going on in our game, and you know, today they announced the uh, the fixtures for the British and Irish Lions tour in uh, in twenty five, and People forget twelve years ago; it was absolutely freaking huge. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. things are happening. Yeah, well, no, that's good. Go on, twenty. I was just going to say, I agree, Casho. And, and an interesting yardstick for me was I took the kids to Dolphin Stadium on Sunday for their first game of NRL, and you know, difference-wise from from when I've taken them to a rugby game to an NRL game, it wasn't much different. You know, like it was. Mm. In terms of the game, um, you know, it was it was a free flowing sort of a game um, on Saturday night, and and likewise on Sunday. And you know, the kids enjoyed themselves on Sunday, but I reckon you take them to a Wallabies game, you're going to have just as good a time. Now, quickly, we've got to talk about the game across the ditch because holy hell, it was uh, one of the better Test matches I've seen in oh, a good ten years. It was. Uh, just when we thought the All Blacks were gone, um, they put on an absolute vintage performance. That first 20 minutes was just frightening, Sweeney. Oh, frightening. That is absolutely the word. You, if they pull something like that out against the Wallabies at the MCG, look out. Yeah. Um, you know, probably the best 20 minutes of rugby I've seen from a test team in probably the last few years. You're right. Oh, Berger. easy. Yeah, and, easy. And just how – just the – the breakneck pace that they played the game at, the brutality and the skill level was absolutely all 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, credit to the Springboks. They came back into it and were probably the, you know, probably more 
eager side for that 40 to 50 minutes had really got on top, but All Blacks finished well. I I was I, I loved watching it. It was a great game, and I've got a lot of mates from across the ditch, and you know they were really enjoying it. And I have to say, as a neutral, I was I was cheering for the All Blacks because you know the Springboks have had a very uh, defined game with the, with the high box kick and the brutal brutal game. And the All Blacks can do that and more. It was kind of like the beautiful game versus the effective game, Kasha. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And uh, uh, one of the things about it, uh, we've all mentioned the brutality. How how absolutely monstrous was uh, Shannon Frizzell in those first twenty minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he yeah. was just hitting blokes uh, left, right, and centre, and scored scored a scored a really nice try. But the the creepy thing, from my point of view, is uh, I I don't think the All Blacks have got their selections right at, at this particular point in time. I think there's room for. Sean Stevenson somewhere in that back line or on on the bench there, and there's mm. there's a couple of other places in that all black side that's uh, contestable, but uh, makes their uh, their effort on the weekend at Mount Smart Stadium uh, even more meritorious. Yeah, that no, was great, great watch, and maybe those two sides, Swanee, at the moment entering into the Big Four with Ireland and France for the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. The the beautiful thing for the Wallabies and for every other nation out there is that there's a lot of them sitting on the same side of the draw. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think South Africa and New Zealand, Ireland and France all sit on that one side of the draw, which, you know, it's it's good for uh, it's good for a few a a few nations, not so Mm. good for a few others, you got to think. No, absolutely it's not. It's just terrible luck, though, isn't it? You have to feel for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel terrible for them, Casho. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's Cry me a river. Let's get into the shoot shield. I'll be here all night. Um, lots of footy happening. Got to go um, over to Wallara. East taking on Ramwick. Classic uh, derby over on the east side. Um Ramwick uh, obviously are on a real roll. They're probably the well, they are the form team of the competition. They sit in first. Um, another impressive performance. East East made this entertaining though, with about fourteen to go. It was 22-26. But Ramwick definitely the, the superior side. Um, I thought it was another good performance from the Wicks there, Casho. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the big talking point, and and this is going around the world, as you probably know, Swaney, that. Uh, that pass by uh, the prop Cronin Gleeson, yeah, yeah. number eleven, who passed inside to Betty Houston. You know what an absolutely superb uh, right to left pass that uh, missed out a couple along the way, a couple of defenders, and uh, bang straight on onto the chest, and uh, away they went. What an absolute superb piece! I. I sat next to Warwick War, who'd been at the, uh, the you know, back to East Day that day, as a, and uh, he was he was one of the the Ramwick, uh, uh team that they're honor, honouring there. I think it was from '93, I think it was, and uh, yep. he he was talking about how impressed he was with the uh, skill from one to fifteen that uh, Stephen Hoyles has managed to sort of put together there. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it it was in the end. Quite a good performance from uh, from Ramwick, but uh, yeah, it was fairly tied at one stage there, midway through the second half. But uh, Ramwick put on the afterburners, and away they went. Yeah, they're definitely um, playing that great style, which uh, Warwick War said uh, they they've been true to it all season, haven't they, Swaney? Oh, absolutely, and, and the injection of Andrew Deegan the last few weeks as well. Yeah, 
yep. has certainly been, you know, that's that's really put the competition on notice that you need a, a top shelf playmaker, um, and he just pulls the strings beautifully, doesn't he? He's got he's got Ferraris all around him. He just needs to put it in front of them, and uh, can do that beautifully. Yeah, I thought. Well, so one of the what, things with uh, Deegan coming back into that side is that it's given a bit of clarity to the number twelve, the rabbit number twelve, Nick Chan. Mm. And I thought he had a superb game there at uh, Wallara on the weekend. Put through the the centre Jensen at uh, at one stage, and then uh, was always sound in defence and uh, carried the ball really well. Yeah, took the words out of my mouth there. Uh, Cash, I was going to mention Chan uh, and Jensen, both very good, the Ramick centres. Ramick ended up that one. Ramick 36, East 22. They keep on rolling. Um, fascinating game out at Chatswood. Gordon have snuck home against West Harbour. Gordon 39, West 38. Uh, Gordon with a huge, huge start. Really sort of almost like they've blown the Pirates out of the water. But <laughs> Pirates, drew their word. They love an arm wrestle. Wrestled their way back into this, all the way into the final minutes. West has got a try with about two to go, edged in front. And then Gordon got a penalty um, right on the stroke of full time. Slotted the goal, Jack McGregor, and uh, that's all she wrote there, Swaney. Oh, incredible finish, wasn't it? Um, mm. 29-3, I think they led uh, yep. early on in that game. And then, yeah, the, the Pirates, they just are a never-say-die team, aren't they? No. Um, you know, when Debrasini gets onto the field, he, he does a great job. But uh, Fiverr has been outstanding as well for them. Um, yeah, Fiverr was great. He was great the other day. That Callum yep. Circa is playing really well uh, for them and scoring tries. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it was that that classic just uh, the, the restart. The third set piece, which my colleague Justin Harrison likes to call it, um, that – you know, becomes so crucial. You need to be able to consolidate after you score points. And mm. West Harbour couldn't secure that that restart. Happened for the Wallabies on the weekend, you know, mm. in that yeah. after the Nwanganitawasi try, they, they conceded the kickoff. Um, Gordon just kept their composure. And then Jack McGregor stepped up to the jeers of the West Harbour crowd uh, down there at Chatswood Oval, the travelling West Harbour crowd, and slotted it cool as you like. We spoke to him on Clubland today uh, and he he sort of – he said the only thing that he could hear when he was taking the shot for goal was there was someone counting down from 10 down to 1. Oh, God. counting down. He said he couldn't – it was people cheering and jeering everywhere and all he could hear was this guy going, 10. Nine, eight. <laughs> and so he had to block that out and, and slot the goal, but did very well. Oh, one one of the well. things off the field for the West Harbour boys was they had uh, uh, one of their former first graders, Mark Tonga, who's, uh, mm. who's uh, in a wheelchair at the moment, actually talked to the guys before um, uh, before the first grade game. So uh, they, they, they would have been pumped, obviously, something that came up at uh, – at their uh, old boys uh, day there uh, a couple of weeks back at, uh, at Concord Oval. So good mm. to see the connections there still still happening and uh, still connected to uh, footy, uh, Mark Tonga. Geez, they've had some uh, tight losses, the Pirates, haven't they, Casho? Yeah, certainly have. I think they uh, 
they probably deserve to be a bit uh, bit further up uh, up the competition ladder, perhaps yep. even uh, you know jockeying for a, a position. But they're they're certainly going to play a role, aren't they, in the, the way the final six uh, uh, pans out? I think it's Manly coming up uh, this weekend, so that that's a toughie. It is a toughie, yeah, absolutely for both sides. It's uh, nothing in this comp. I thought Basson was excellent for Gordon. Again, he's having a, a really strong year. So, uh, what under the Highlanders on that really tight win and a critical win because the almighty shit fight for those final uh, few spots yeah, at the table. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, two other sides in the middle of that uh, struggle at the moment are is Manly and the two Blues. Manly getting a uh, a first victory in a month, uh, having had three losses and a draw uh, prior to that. Um, Manly sneaking home 26, two Blues 19 at Manly Oval. Uh, it was an interesting game, uh, real battle of attrition, lots of mistakes from both sides, lots of drop ball, lots of scrums. Manly probably got the better of the set piece, um, defended well, took their opportunities, and um, the last couple of minutes uh, I was watching this team from uh, up the coast, uh, this this game from up the coast, and I was tearing my hair out thinking it was going to happen again. I was looking like a draw or something, but... Um, yeah, Hunter Ward made a try-saving tackle with a minute to go and Manly held on, got a scrum, which was starting to wobble and was able to clear it out and win the game, Casher. Much a relief for the Marlins faithful. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think uh, they did very well, actually, to uh, come away with the points because, uh, you know, they, they seemed to be able to blunt a lot of that uh, – Western Sydney two blues attack that uh, we've seen absolutely on fire for much mm. of the past month. So yeah. uh, yep. they're able to sort of quell things down there and uh, quiet things down and and get a bit like Argentina and the Wallabies. Uh, Argentina were able to dictate the pace of the game, and that's uh, that's my viewing of uh, what happened at Manly Oval. They they controlled the pace well and uh, probably came away with a, a deserved win. Yeah, a couple of players uh, came back into the side. Byron Leach in the second row and Angus Bell in the centres. Unfortunately, Bell might have aggravated his hamstring. He's probably going to miss this week, but uh, he was very handy uh, during the game. But uh, he seemed to have been a good match for the two Blues this season. The Marlins, I don't know whether it's the game styles, team to marry up a little bit. But um, two Blues uh, there, Swaney, they're still a, still a force and they're still on the hunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, they, they sit... Uh, just in seventh there, just two points mm. outside the six. So, um, you know they are they are a, a you know a, a real danger to a lot of teams. I, yeah, I don't know who's going to miss out. It's it's, yeah. it's mm. as you say an almighty shit shit fight. But yeah. they're the sort of team that I'd love to see in there yeah, <laughs> in that I in that so. top six for the finals. So, um, yeah, but also Manly, they, they've got to be you know, take a lot of confidence out of being able to hold them out for that last couple of minutes as well. You just, well, just thought think, top, yeah. you just thought that the tide was going to break at some point and it didn't. And that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's got to be good for the confidence. Well, I've been saying on the pod for the last few weeks, Manly have been reluctant to take points. They didn't this week. They took points and the result changed. But, um, yeah, I think when this competition, you just need to find a way to get out of the funk when you start losing a few. Gordon did it last week. Manly's done it this week, you know. Um, it's just that that kind of a competition maybe can go on a roll, but maybe not. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely a uh, morale-boosting win for the Marlins. All right, Casho, 
Um, let's talk about the game at North Sydney Oval. Norse and Rats, two of the premier sides over the last five years. Um, pretty good game. I thought Norse controlled large points. I thought Charlie Jevons fellows had a, had a great game. Norse 27, Rats 21. Um, Rats made it interesting at the end, though, didn't they? Yes, it certainly did. Uh, there was a bit of a very much uh, against the runner play try that uh, Winniarda Cherrington scored mm. oh, 78, 79th minute of, uh, of that particular game. And that... Uh, uh, you know, that pretty much sealed it. But uh, we were able to get back down the other end of the field and uh, score a try that uh, that uh, closed the game down. But uh, it was Norse pretty much in control for, uh, for, for, for for much of that particular game. As you said, Charlie Jevons-Fillows was, uh, was good. Uh, Duffy was good at uh, number nine. Um, and uh, Jude Gibbs did some good stuff while while he was on the on on the field. He appeared to come off with a with some sort of leg strain. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what uh, what happened there. Nathan Russell in the centres uh, was also uh, very good, very robust in defence. But uh, Lieber did uh, did very well for Norse and uh, Huey Sinclair was there. So like so they were uh, they were very very solid. They've uh, they've got they've got a good front row with. Uh, Plenty of ammo with uh, with uh, George Thornton, Michael Scott, uh, margins there, and, uh, and and others who who can contribute there. So uh, I think they're uh, they're travelling along sort of quite nicely. Uh, Norse at this particular point in time, Warringah had some some good things about them, but they look like a side that needs to have a bit of chaos about the game for them to uh, mm. really sort of shine. They're uh, they're, they're not a team that's if, if they were in the finals, they, they, they wouldn't be a team that's there for a, a long time, if uh, if you know what I mean. And that's uh, that's where most of this their tries were scored, you know. A, a bit of razzle-dazzle from uh, from Benny Maher with a bit of support on the inside to score the try that sort of got them a wee bit close. And the, and the others were just uh, stuff from uh, close to the try line. But, uh, yeah, I think they're, uh, they're probably... Uh, racing towards the end of their season, and uh, you know it's time for a reset down at Red Park, and Norse will go on and uh, see, see how far they can get through into the finals. Yeah, well they've still got the derby to come there, Swanee. That's something to play for. Oh, absolutely, and you know I think that's probably one that because you know with Manly sitting where they are, um, mm. you know that that's a that's a real danger game, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, one we'd probably be... rather not have this time of the year, but that's what it is. Exactly right. It's it's this is this is all set up, um, you know, for a cracking cracking derby, uh, yeah. and the rats will love to play the spoiler if they can. So, well, oh. so, that's, so I think that's that really is all they've got to play for now. But there's no question they've improved lately. Their last four weeks, they've lost within a converted try against good opposition. You know, Gordon. Um, uh, Norse, I think Ramwick uh, and Hunter. So yeah, like they've been right in games, but um, just you know, when you when you start the season without the confidence, it's just not there, is it, Swanee? No, that's exactly right. And uh, you know, it's probably a season that got away from them, a, a rebuilding yeah. season, if you like. Um, you know, one of those one of those types of seasons that it's just it's such a cyclical competition. You've said it before, Burjo. Yep. Um, and it's just the cycle is not in the rats' favour at the moment. But 
Yep, but haven't dropped a game of Colts, so it's the next generation's um, yeah. hopefully on the way pretty quickly. Incredible, so, incredible yeah. that record. That it is amazing. Colts going so well. It is amazing. Like, one gets the feeling that Colts grand final should be a Ringer Eastwood final with Eastwood only dropping the one game to the Rats this year. Now that that's a game worth going to, Casho. If it if it's, it is indeed it is, if it is indeed that. Certainly is, and you know, is it sending a message out there about um, being successful in the Colts, about uh, getting a leg up in the first grade? Because Josh, Josh Holmes, of course, is uh, is there and is seen as uh, an option there to uh, to take over or play some sort of role with with the senior side. And Dave Telford's been appointed, uh, who's the uh, uh, been working in the uh, Eastwood Colts for the past three years. He's been appointed mm. to take over from. Uh, Benny Batcher next year. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be a uh, nice old finale for those two guys at Colts. Excellent. Um, well, that's that's what the pathways are there for. So we'll uh, we'll see how that all translates. Um, let's continue on with our games. Where are we up to? The game at Foreshore. Southern Districts 22, Eastwood 50. It was an absolute tri-fest. Um, some neck tries to both sides. Uh, South did manage to try and keep things in touch for a while, but um, Woods too big, too strong. Tane Edved's starting to find his groove, Swaney. Yeah, he sure is. And when you've got outside, sitting outside you, Fabian Goodall and Palmer Fowl, um, yeah. who are just these two, you know, massive humans. Um, Fabian yeah. Goodall is just huge, and yeah. Palmer Fowl is tall, lanky, athletic. Um, you know they, they've got a really deadly backline this Eastwood side, and uh, and so does Souths, mind you, um, which you know was fantastic to watch at times in this game. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a important um, important win for Eastwood in the scheme of things. Yeah, and not to mention those outstanding centre combination. I thought uh, Pincus and Metcalf outside Casha were just as good. Yeah, they uh, they certainly were, and uh, just doing a spotlight on on the south side of things, there were some, mm. some good signs there from uh, Spencer, the number thirteen, who's yep, had a, yep. come in uh, come in uh, late in the piece, and uh, he ran off some good ball from uh, Kunzel, who's who's coming along sort of quite nicely, and we've got the uh, the, the the fullback doing some uh, good stuff there, along with. The number eight Hosking, who I thought had had a very solid game in in what was a you know pretty much a, a very much a beaten side, but uh, yeah, this, there's uh, there's a lot to like about uh, the way the Woodies are going. They seem to be uh, coming together at the right time of the year. Now they're playing some really good footy, and they've got a very very well balanced squad um, and some good signs for South. So hopefully that bodes well uh, for next season. Final game of the round uh, was at Hunter, um, at Newcastle, rather. Uh, Hunter Wildfires went down. Hunter 21, University 36. The students are still alive, Sweeney. Still alive. Um, you know, it was a big sort of run from them just early in the second half. Sydney Uni, they scored like three tries in eight minutes or something like that, um, you know, to, to set the to win up and... Um, yeah, they, they just keep coming, don't they, Uni? They're, they're you know, only a couple of – from one win outside the six at the moment um, with a couple of rounds to play. It's it's set up for them. They've just got to, they've just got to get there now. 
They Certainly. sure do. Uh, Twenty six unanswered points there from uh, from uni. So uh, yeah, they're uh, they're starting to sort of come together. They've got a bit of a uh, Sydney Uni Legends lunch at home this weekend that I'm going to stick my head into. They're playing East, so uh, we'll see if that run continues. But uh, it must have been a, a fantastic for their confidence that they're able to uh, weather the uh, being down 14-0 and, uh, and rattle home like they did. Yeah, there were some outstanding performances from University and a few sort of rep players uh, starting to uh, make their way back. Horton, Von Appen, um you know, uh, Robertson uh, at nine. Um, they're leaving their run late and they've still got work to do, but um, it's uh, it's not over yet. So we'll watch that very interestingly. Let's have a look um, at the table. Uh, so we've got Ramwick out in front, uh, followed by Norse, 53 and 52, very tight. A little bit further back to Eastwood, 50 points, Hunter, 49, Manly, 48, Gordon, 46, rounding out the top six. Below them is uh, two teams still vying. We've still got eight trying to make six. Two Blues, 44. Uni, 42. Can't be ruled out. Uh, West Harbour, East Ringer and South. It's season over. Fascinatingly, in the last three weeks, pretty sure Gordon, Two Blues and Uni all play each other. Or no, sorry, Two Blues don't play Uni, but Two Blues play Gordon and Gordon play Uni. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Gordon, two blues in round 17, the penultimate oh, round, and in the final round, Gordon, Sydney Uni at Chatswood Oval. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's set up to those, some of the, one of those games is going to be a do or die, surely, Kasha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Sydney Uni Eastwood in round 17, and I know. I know North's are playing Hunter at North Sydney Oval on uh, in round 18, and uh, yeah, there's another cracker there in uh, the last round, Manly and Eastwood, and as you said, Gordon and City Uni. Yeah, what a what a way to finish. Yeah, I mean Hunter don't really have the easiest run home too, so everyone's got to be on their toes, Cash uh, Swaney. Yeah, oh, absolutely, and it's probably going to be the teams like the Two Blues and West Harbour. Um, you know, that are going to be, you know, West Harbour as well. You know, the Rats playing against Manly. Mm. Um, you know, the, these are the, these are the sorts of uh, uh, teams that are going to really put uh, a stick in the spokes, I reckon, for a few of these, a few of these teams um, vying for a final spot. Gee, Swanny, yeah. you're making him nervous, aren't you? I know, mate, I love it. I can feel, I can see him sweat from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. It's just crazy. I mean, it's bizarre. Like, Manly's still got the second best points differential in the comp, which doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, the whole thing's just really, really strange, and it's just so tight. Um, on other news, uh, Cash, I hear Swaney's been given the gig as the MC of the Catchpole medal. Is that right? Listen, he, uh, he's obviously, uh, they looked at his CV, which is the Bon Andrews luncheon, and uh, thought he's the man for the job. So I think it's in the same uh, room, Casho, so yeah. you, know, you can't go wrong. So oh. you, 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 is this happening before or after Sam Pang does the Logies? <laughs> you know what? I've got a co-host in Tim Horan who will be, uh, again, joining me this year, so... Um, I don't have to do it solo like Sam Pang, but um, I'll be watching for tips, that's for sure. And I'll probably just – I'll probably throw in a few um, 
Ricky Gervais um, hosting the the Oscars and things like that, um, just on the on the old playlist, just to see see what some of the best material is. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to get away with too many Ricky Gervais as the material, but I'll do your best, Swain. Oh, see how I go. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and uh, last thing, Cash, I see the uh, the club championship slash uh, third tier, maybe a, a shortened hospital cup v shoot shield uh, tournaments being mooted. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I I saw mention of that. It's it's been something that's been discussed in different forms over the past couple of years, but I think there's. Uh, there's real momentum coming from uh, Phil War, the new CEO. You know, he wants to he wants some rep stars playing some uh, some club footy, as he uh, as he told Carl Stefanovic at North Sydney Oval a couple of weeks back. So that's uh, that's good to hear. You know, like uh, uh, does it mean an early start to the season? Uh, mm. And how much are these? Uh, uh, competitions. Uh, how much are they going to pay these boys? Is there an honorarium for this? Yeah, there's there's a lot of detail that come out on it, isn't there? There's a lot of detail. I think they're forgetting some of the difficulties in. I don't know. It just depends how many players come back. I guess if uh, we can evenly spread them around, there's more professional players v guys that are fighting for a contract. It could be a good thing, but it's going to need a lot of work, isn't it, Swaney? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um... You know, this, these sorts of things take a bit of time to build uh, and, and get everything right. Um, and, and you're right, who, who comes back and, and plays these these games from a, from a representative level? You know, where are they getting the guys from, from below as well? Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's would, a logistical would, shit fight. Would you say from a Queensland perspective that Queensland Cubs are, are very happy for the pro uh, – ARC teams to just come back to Queensland country. They, they they were quite well received up there, weren't they? Yeah, I, I would think so. Absolutely. That and that was probably one thing that the NRC. Um, I, I just feel, I feel like I loved the NRC. It was a, it yep. was a great competition. I was right. I was right into it. Yep. Um, you know, particularly working. You know, where I worked at the time, and and um, I found that you're right. The the Queensland when they when they immediately had Brisbane City Queensland Country as yep. their two teams from the yep. from the get go that that was that was perfect that where the problems came in was when Sydney were given four teams um, you know I think actually the last iteration of the NRC where you had uh, New South Wales Country and and City Sydney City um, you know as the only two New South Wales teams that was the perfect balance it actually yeah. worked really well after that. Um, it, it actually was in the end. Uh, I think Queensland Rugby absolutely wholeheartedly embraced the NRC as an opportunity for their players where it was was in Sydney here. All the clubs viewed it as uh, something that was taking away their players and, uh, you know, yeah. shaving the edge off them to a, a certain extent, which may or may not have been the case, but... Uh, you know, Josh Kemeny on the weekend uh, as an 18-year-old played for uh, the Sydney side in one of his first rep games in uh, in the NRC. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Hodgie uh, was uh, was a was was a member of the uh, the, nice, the yeah. North Harbour Rays there at one stage before he got a contract down in Melbourne. So yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 one of those things, you know, like. Uh, 
But the uh, other, the other you, you've really got to, you know, get a hold of it and chew hard and make the most of it. Well, the other option is uh, you, you play around Robin of the super sides, but I just don't know if there's a market for that. But I, I don't know if there's a commercial market for, for the other one either. So it's, I don't know, it's tricky. But I think the, the, the main underpinning thing is getting more quality games into into players, isn't it, Swaney? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Getting more quality That's players. That's the driver. Yeah. Yeah, get, and getting them good good rugby. There's a, you know, up here um, in Brisbane, they're going to do another one of those challenger series. So it'll be a Queensland Reds or Queensland Development 15 versus a Queensland 15. Uh, give some guys from club rugby an opportunity to try and play their way into a contract. Um, there's also super teams. I know that the Force have got a couple of games against some J- Japanese teams. Um, you know, the, the the Reds are playing against Panasonic as well. So there's those options as well. Um, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, it, it probably doesn't grab the uh, imagination of the public, unfortunately. It's great developmental rugby and it's good content for TV and all that sort of stuff. Yep. It probably just doesn't grab the imagination of the public like some of those other opportunities do. No, it doesn't. All right, boys. Well, uh, we've got uh, cricket to watch. We've got the Matildas tomorrow night. We've got a break from the uh, rugby on the weekend, but we'll be watching plenty of Shoot Shield. And uh, thank you for your time, uh, Mark Cashman. Absolute pleasure. And thank you, Swaney. Thanks, Burjo. Catch you next week.